Good evening from Caluthran in Thousand Oaks. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays, everyone. Thank you for spending part of your night with us. JB Long here. DeMarco Farr is on assignment tonight, so just me and Coach McVeigh. And uh, Sean, 48 hours later, any additional perspective on the loss that was in San Francisco? No, not really. It was uh, you know disappointing, but we're on to Arizona and looking forward to trying to cap this thing off the right way. But I know uh, players and coaches, it, it was a uh, sick feeling. Uh, but but you got to move on, and and um, you know there's going to be a lot of things that that we can certainly learn from from this year. But but right now the time is is to get on to Arizona, uh, have a good week of preparation, and see if we can cap off the regular season the right way. Trying to finish the season at nine and seven, it's a chance to string together three consecutive winning campaigns for the Rams for the first time since the greatest show on turf days. Sean, do you think that'll be adequate motivation? for a group that just saw their playoff hopes eliminated last week? Yeah, I think so, just because, you know, you get an opportunity to play a, a great game. You know, it's a blessing to be able to do it, and, and our guys are competitors. They're wired the right way, and, um, you know, if you're competing for a T-shirt or if they're just competing for sprints, you know, these guys always <laughs> do a great job with that. So, um, you know, we want to finish this off. It's It hasn't been the season that any of us wanted, uh, but all we can control is, is how we finish up this, you know, this last regular season game, and, um, you know, I try Trust that we've got the right guys in that locker room to do a good job and have a good week of prep, and we'll see how we compete on uh, Sunday. When you saw their eyes yesterday, your Sunday meeting, was that one of the more challenging moments you've had as a head coach, like kind of coming up with those those messages to make sure they are engaged in what you're trying to accomplish this week? You know, I, I don't really – I wouldn't say that, JB, because we've got the right guys. And, you know, the only thing that I'll ever do is just speak from the heart. And I'm not going to pretend to not have any sort of disappointment and uh, have that sick pit in your stomach that I know that they probably felt too. But I do think it's important that we demonstrate the ability to move forward. You know, we, we can't can't do anything about that now. Uh, there'll be a lot of reflection in the off season when that time comes to to be able to learn from things and, and figure out how we can try to avoid a lot of the mistakes that occurred throughout the course of this season. But um, gives you a perspective. It's definitely a, a learning experience for me and, and something that uh, you just got to be able to grow from. With Sean McVay, J.B. Long, this is the Coach McVay Show, Week 17 edition from Cal Lutheran in Thousand Oaks. The Arizona Cardinals coming to the Coliseum for the finale in that building. Is there a balance that's top of mind this week in terms of striking uh, the right balance between pursuing that winning season, the importance of 9-7 and seven versus 8-8, eight and eight, but also protecting some of your key pieces for 2020 and or evaluating pieces you haven't really had a lot of film on to this point in the year? Yeah, we want to finish this up. If, if guys are, you know, I think you take a normal approach. If guys are healthy enough to play, you're going to play them, and, and if they're not, but, you know, it's not something where we're going to try to really say, all right, let's get a real good look at so-and-so. You right. know, we've unfortunately, we've had enough injuries that have occurred where we've gotten a chance to really uh, get a good look at a, at a lot of different guys that, that we're counting on and, and um, you know these these games have been invaluable in terms of the evaluation process for us but we want to finish this off with a winning record we, we know that it's going to be a great challenge especially them coming off a great win at Seattle and uh, we got a lot of respect for them and, and we know we got to be at our best to get our ninth win. Let's address some of those injuries. We saw Bobby Evans and Tyler Higby go down but return and finish week 16. Is it fair to assume they're on track to play in week 17? Yeah, both those guys are, you know, they're banged up, but, uh, you know, like anything else, you get to, you get to this point in the season, that's kind of, uh, you know, par for the course. But both those guys did finish the game. Uh, nothing, you know, came back, you know, negative in terms mm-hmm. of just the, you know, they're just sore, and, and those guys competed really well the other night, and both those guys we should expect them to play. You did mention yesterday, Sunday, that uh, rookie running back Daryl Henderson 
Peterson, though, is likely heading for injured reserve for this final week of the season. Yeah, he is, and, and you know it's unfortunate because you know you wanted to, he's he's really a guy that we wanted to be able to get a chance to to get going in that game the other day, and he had a good first carry, and and he got it on that first carry, and that's yes. why you know he really wasn't moving on the second carry, and um, you know he's a guy that we do believe has a bright future for us. Uh, you know, wish we got him an opportunity to play a little bit more this year, but um, you know the way that things worked out, you know Todd did a nice job, and and we've got to uh, you know get him healthy and get get uh, Daryl ready to go but it, it is unfortunate that he's not going to be able to play in this last game we've seen John Kelly pop up from the practice squad earlier this season to bolster your running back depth is that something we might see again this week? yeah I would say that's the most likely move JB um, you know we, we'll wait until we make those moves official but I would think you know with John being on the practice squad knowing uh, you know the system and having an understanding of some of the things that we're looking for especially from a game plan and, and just those uh, those little nuances and you know he actually did a nice job when he had to play against Arizona last Last year, towards the latter half of the season, you know, he and CJ ended up carrying the load, um, you know, in our uh, 15th game last year. How about in terms of Jalen Ramsey's MRI in the Planet Corner this week? You know what, I haven't had a chance, you know, I'm not sure, you know, it's kind of the same as yesterday. Um, You know, players have been off today, so once he comes in tomorrow, uh, I'll get with Reggie and our medical staff, and then we'll have a better idea of, of what his status looks like for the week. Uh, but with Troy Hill down, Darius Williams stepped up, and my goodness, through two games, uh, kind of an emergency duty in Dallas, and again last week in San Francisco, in more of a plan controlled setting, he's really risen to the occasion. He's done a great job, JB, and and I've been really impressed with him. He was somebody that caught our eye last year, even just when he was given a lot of great looks on the scout team, uh, really challenging our receivers. You could just see he's got the great movement skills and, and the short space quickness. He's got the ability to turn and run. He's got ball skills. He's got a great demeanor too. Very confident. It's not too big for him. And and like you said, you know, in the last last two weeks uh, being able to evaluate him he certainly looks like he belongs and he's done a nice job couple more bumps and bruises to check on, and then we'll move on to the Coliseum finale. Gerald Everett did return from his three-game absence, but only played uh, four snaps. Maybe didn't quite look like he was 100% quite yet. What was your read on how he felt in live action returning to the field? Yeah, I think he felt good. He's just getting, you know, I, they're, the way that the game played out, you know, and, and Johnny Munt and uh, Tyler have done such a good job, and then, you know, you're in 11 personnel, and, you know, you look at the success that Tyler's had, so mm-hmm. Gerald's a big-time player for us, but getting off of injury, you know, you're kind of waiting to see all right what does that look like in his involvement I think it was a good positive step for him and we'll see what this week looks like and similarly with Rob Havenstein who's been uh, nursing an injury is there any sense in putting him out there for a week 17 situation given what he's battling yeah I would say he's a guy just based on the amount of experience he's accumulated uh, we know what he can do unless you know he really turns the corner uh, probably be smart with him again this week but uh, but again kind of like what we were saying with Jalen JB uh, we'll figure that out when the guys come in tomorrow and um, if that is the case, you know, he would be a guy because of, of where he's at. There's really no need to push it and get another game to kind of see what Bobby Evans right. can do. Thanks for the injury roll call there. On to that uh, Coliseum finale. And it's been uh, a great four years for us, three years for you in that historic house. It's been your home for uh, your first three NFL seasons as a head coach. As we think about it, any favorite uh, memories stand out to you as you prepare to play that last game? Oh, I mean, there's I, I could, there's so many special games and, and, and things that, that took place there. You know, I mean, from the first game I got a chance to coach against the Colts and then, you know, watching it build to, to be able to play the Falcons later on that year, you know, that obviously wasn't a great memory in terms of the finish, but the atmosphere, the fans, the excitement. Uh, then you flash forward to the 18th season, you think about the Minnesota game, you think about the Kansas City game, being able to beat Dallas in the divisional round. I mean, so many different positives. And even this past year, you know, you get you get to your home opener where uh, you're playing the New Orleans Saints in a rematch of the NFC Championship. That was a great atmosphere and an environment. And 
you know, Sunday night win against Chicago, and then the Seattle game was pretty special as well. So hopefully we can cap this thing off the right way. There's been a lot of good moments at the Coliseum for us. Between now and then, the uh, Christmas holiday for you, your coaching staff, this organization, your players. How are you spending this week uh, on and off the field uh, on Wednesday? Yeah, so so we'll get ahead. You know, you guys are messing up my flow for the uh, for the per game usual. plan. Yeah, yes. exactly. So, uh, you know, today we're treating this like it would be you know a, a normal Tuesday, if you will, in a you know in a game week, and and then tomorrow our players will come in on on what is actually Tuesday, and that'll be like a Wednesday in season, um, and then we'll give them off for Christmas. So uh, let them enjoy their families. You know, that's a special thing. And, and being able to play on Saturday really doesn't throw off your rhythm. They'll come back in, and then we'll get back to a normal week when they come back on Thursday and, and Thursday, Friday. You know, have your day before the game Saturday stuff, and then wrap it up on Sunday. And you just bunkering down at the house on Wednesday? Yeah, it'll be good. You, you know, be able to spend some time uh, with my fiance and uh, my parents will be in town. So, you know, anytime that you can really appreciate your family, your friends on on these holidays, uh, it is something that you appreciate and, and more so than ever. You know, I'm, I'm, you know, really enjoying that as you have your family, you know, your immediate family and then, you know, forming your own with uh, my fiance and our dog. Excellent. Excellent. All right. Well, Merry Christmas to everyone once again. And coming up next, Tyler Higby having a December to remember. He made NFL history in San Francisco. We'll discuss on the Coach McVay Show on ESPN LA 710. Up to the 43 with this first down snap. Goff off the play fake, rolling to his right, throws on the move, trying to layer it into Higby, who brings it in at the 40 and is shouldered out right sideline at the 37-yard line. Richard Sherman hit him, but Higby, who has set a franchise record for catches by a tight end in a single season, gets 20 more on this touch pass from Jared Goff. All right, welcome back to the Coach McVay Show on a holiday week. DeMarco Farr is out. J.B. Long in with the head coach of your Los Angeles Rams, Sean McVay. And let's talk some uh, Jared Goff and Tyler Higby here. And why don't we start with QB1. You know, I, I felt it was a real shame that that pick six marred what was an otherwise pretty special evening. I thought some of his throws were the best of the year, among the best in his career, that being one of them that helped you get into tying field goal range. Yeah, no, he uh, he made some big-time plays. Um, and, you know, it's like anything else. You know, inevitably at the quarterback position, you're going to have some plays that uh, you're going to want back. And, you know, that's a really tough defense. But I thought from the first drive, you know, to really our last drive, you know, made some big plays, uh, made some big third down conversions. You know, you look at the throw he made on the first touchdown drive to Cooks, you know, where he's going back to his left and he throws across yep. his body. Brandon Cooks aggressively steps to the football. But um, he did a nice job. And, and um, you know, it was uh, it was a tough – It was you're right. It, those kind of plays were tough and they eat at you. But, um, you know, there was a lot of good things to take away as well watching it back too, as much as the Fred Warner interception was kind of the, the dagger the play before in a clean pocket just kind of a flat-footed miss to Robert Woods that if you hit it I mean by their standards it's a routine play then you're solidly in plus territory your playbook might look a little bit different their defensive structure might look different oh yeah like that all adds up to a, to a one moment in time no question six. you know and, and we talk about that and and those are the types of things that uh you know you learn from them and and you know when those do present themselves again you hope to do them better but you know robert did a nice job being able to separate and anytime that somebody's connected like that in a man coverage situation kind of got to sit on your back foot let them work protection was clean but but those types of plays you know those those couple plays you're exactly right were, were big time ones for us that you know you felt like you had a chance to go and, and get some points and and you know at least at the worst case scenario going with that halftime lead and that ended up changing the narrative. 
You attempted 27 play-action passes in Week 16. According to ESPN Research, that was the most by any quarterback, Jared Goff, in a game since they began tracking in 2006. Any context you can give us as to the why behind that game plan, which you know produced 30-plus points? Yeah, I'd be interested to see exactly how they. You know, we we ran a lot of you know movement passes that you know like we have a lot of variations of play-action stuff like that. You know, I'm not exactly sure how they categorize it, but you know, just being able to move the spot, you know, where you're changing the launch point and. and not letting those defensive linemen kind of just feel like, all right, they know exactly where the ball is going to be thrown from. So uh, we did run a lot of them, you know, like 20-plus. You know, I'm sure they when you end up getting to 27, you know, we had like 21 of them in, on our um, – you so know, kind of exactly, every waggle, but every even some of those slide. that look like it, yeah. where you're throwing some screens and stuff like that, I can see exactly why it would be taken off as a a play action. But it was, there was a lot of variations that we did have, uh, and it was a lot heavier dosage of of those than than what what I've ever called in a game. And um, you know, we felt like that was the way to attack that that Forty ers defense. As you know, mobility at the quarterback position is all the rage right now. Lamar's going to win the MVP. You could see Kyler Murray again this week. Uh, he's one of the greats at it as well. Goff is never going to. Be that he's never going to be those guys, but when he's throwing as well as he did on the run at San Francisco, how much does that stress a defense? Oh, it's big, you know, because you know if you know where the launch point's going to be and it's in, it's right in that pocket at that seven and a half to you know nine yard depth, and they can just kind of tee off on you. That makes it really, you know, it makes it a lot easier on the defense. But uh, he can stress the defense in some different ways where it's it's actions off of some of our wide zone, and uh, he he's moving that spot. And you know, you look at it, he ended up getting a couple runs where you know you say it's four and five yards when they did defend some of those plays really well but those are efficient plays on early downs that get you to the second and sixes second and fives and we'll take those and you know he showed the ability to outflank the defense you know where where they do a great job reading out of the stacks and and things like that so uh in his own way different than those guys that you mentioned but he can still stress people and when you're able to throw and, and move that spot you know that's a big benefit to an offense it alleviates some stress on the offensive line but you know it makes the ability to marry your run and pass game uh, a lot easier as well. One scramble even came with a personal foul attached to it. Yeah. First and goal, which we would prefer to avoid in the future for Jared's sake. The Coach McFay Show presented by In-N-Out. That's what a hamburger is all about. One of his favorite targets in this month has been Tyler Higby. In fact, the most prolific four-game stretch by a tight end in NFL history measured by catch and yardage. You said recently that it's been a matter of opportunity for Tyler, but now that he's going, mm-hmm. how much does his confidence and Jared's confidence in him amplify what he's capable of? I, I think it's been big. You know, those guys would be better to speak on it than me, but they've uh, they've got a great rapport. I think the thing that's, that Tyler's done such a nice job of is that he's been available and he's made his plays on all three downs. You know, and and that's usually where when you look at it, uh, in some instances you're saying, okay, you're spot playing or you're situationally playing, and you know the fact that he can be a legitimate target. Target on third down, the legitimate target on first and second down, and, and the way that he's been able to uh, get involved in a variety of different ways, you know, it really helps us. And you know, we always talk about making the defense defend all your eligibles, and um, you know, being able to utilize him, especially in those early downs where you're, you know, using twenty percent of your eligibles that you typically haven't been using throughout the year, uh, really makes the defense say, okay, we got to account for him. And um, he's done it in a lot of ways: the drop back game, the screen, uh, play action uh, off of our. Boot- Legs. I mean, he's made a lot of different plays. Have you seen defenses start to prioritize him? 
Uh, I would say, I mean, they're definitely aware of him. I mean, you can hear even just when, you know, teams start talking about the production that he's had over the last month. But, you know, they still, because he's such a complete player, too. So, you know, he's blocking in line. You can detach him from the core. So it's not exclusive to to just, all right, he's just a pass catcher. You know, I think the versatility and and the type of player that he is, where he's truly a complete tight end, uh, makes it that much more difficult. And, and, um, you know, it's a real big benefit to our offense, and he's helped us out in a huge way. If you like to geek out on tight end play, that was the game for you, right? Week yeah. 16 in San Francisco, that was something else. Um, on to Todd Gurley, and he's in position to play 15 out of 16 games, which I find intriguing after the offseason that was that we all lived through. I wonder if you have any thoughts on that in terms of, you know, he's now the first player in Rams history with at least 13 scores in three straight seasons, and I'm not sure how many outside of this facility would have given him these odds to be playing in Week 17 with this kind of season. Yeah, he's tough. You know, he's he's mentally tough. He's physically tough, and and you know, I don't care. You know, whether you know there's concern about all right, wh- how the knee or whatever it is, you're playing running back in the NFL, mm-hmm. and you just look at the pounding that you take over the accumulation of touches, and I think he's handled it really well. Uh, you know, there is something special about this guy when you get inside the 10. I mean, he's got a knack for just finding that end zone. And, you know, there's a different flip. You know, there's a different switch that he flips mm-hmm. uh, to be able to turn the corner to, to stiff arm, to find a way to just scratch and claw. I mean, even look at the two-point conversion he had a couple weeks ago running over unblocked guys, you know, against Dallas. He's uh, He's been tough, and, and, you know, I expect him to finish this year outright. Nice job trolling Maurice Jones-Drew, by the way, with that first play of the second quarter. Yeah, that touchdown. that's it. He, he saw it pre-snap, so did I. We had a good laugh at that one as uh, Todd turned the quarter for the pylon. That's right. As for Daryl Henderson, I mean, um, you know, trading up for a running back in the third round, I think the consensus expectation would be you hope for more than like 180 yards from scrimmage yep. and no touchdowns. What can Daryl do this offseason in conjunction with your coaching staff to amplify his impact next year? Well, I think, you know, just getting that experience, that's why you're bummed out that he didn't really get a chance because you wanted to have him get a little bit more in these last two games. But, you know, he's made steps, you know, and it's not exclusive. Obviously, everybody wants to see the -the on-the-field production, but you're looking at what he's doing in practice, the way that he's uh, paying attention in the meetings, the way that he's able to kind of just continue to get a grasp on what we're trying to get done uh, within the framework of our system and his understanding of the nuance. Nuances uh, that are asked of his spot, and uh, you know he's gonna he physically he's got great ability. He's got a nice even keel demeanor, and uh, once he gets back and, and ready to go, we expect him to to have a real bright future with us. And the hope is that ankle surgery will not derail his offseason program. That's too the hope. Much. Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brandon Cooks here to finish this segment. The touchdown catch on the opening drive was fantastic, but to me, the fourth quarter completion on third and eight over the middle that, that helped set up the tying field goal was the one that was like, okay, this is a player who's back doing what he loves and is confident in his health and his ability. Was that nice to see from your perspective? That was huge. That was a big play. You know, a great pickup up front. Good job by Jared sitting in there. And, and then Brandon being able to make a, a big-time catch over the middle, on, you know, on a third down and eight, I think it was. And, you know, that was really timely for us. It ended up getting us into field goal. You know, that that drive, we ended up getting into field goal range where Greg ended up tying it up at 31. And, um, you know, he made some big plays. I thought that play that you mentioned, his touchdown, was a huge play. Aggressive hands. He caught a screen. You know, so, um, you know, it was good to get him back and it's good just to see him playing again. He's got a great demeanor and one that everybody feeds off of. Coming up on the Coach McVay show, Andrew Whitworth says his intention is to play next season. We'll ask Sean McVay for his thoughts. Plus, Eric Weddle says, blame me, not Taylor Rapp for the end of game third and 16 sequence. That's also to come on ESPN LA 710. All right, Andrew Whitler says his intention is to play next season. We'll ask Sean McVay about that momentarily, but first, here's Big Wit, the left tackle for the Los Angeles Rams, looking ahead to the Coliseum finale. 
The reality of the NFL, I mean, you know, uh, especially when you play in a division as good as this, I mean, as good as this division is right now, um, you know what, uh, it's one of those things we talked about it this week as a team. I mean, you know, really football is, is much different than every other sport. You really get one shot 16 times. It's not a, a sport where you get multiple series with teams and a series in the playoffs, you know, to, to kind of have a bad one and a good one. In NFL football, in that three-hour window, whether you're the better or the team or not, you know, it really doesn't matter whether you win. It's whether you play the best in that three-hour window. Window and you don't get a shot to really play them again, mostly except for your division. And you know, for us, we said too many moments this year. We're in that little window. We didn't play to the level of football that we got to play. Because if you look at the tape and you watch the games where we're playing at our high level, you know, when we're at our best, nobody beat us. And uh, unfortunately, in the season, we just didn't find a way to put our best on the field very often. And, uh, or as often as we'd like to. So, you know, it's just one of those things that's frustrating. But, you know what, uh, people who are made of the right stuff, this gives them the resolve going forward to, to, to do something about it. And uh, I have no question this locker room, this staff, this uh, football team, and, and really uh, everyone in our organization will have a response. Sean, he sounds like a member of your coaching staff. That's right. And uh, I am not looking forward to the day where that presence won't be in the Rams locker room. I'm sure you aren't either. Is there a chance we can push that horizon out another year? Yeah, you know, I think, uh, I mean, he is an unbelievable guy. I mean, unbelievable person, unbelievable player. Uh, the way that he's been able to sustain and play at such a high level, I, I continue to come away amazed and impressed. It's like anything else. You know, he and I will we'll sit down, we'll, we'll discuss some things uh, after the season, uh, but I know he's in the same uh, mindset that I am. Let's attack Arizona this sure. week. Let's let's do the best we can, and then let's uh, deal with those things afterwards where there'll be a lot of good reflection that we'll have. And, you know, he's somebody that, you know, whether he decided he was going to, you know, play or not play, you know, that you'd spend some time with because of his perspective. And I feel really fortunate to work with him. You know, it appears this group of five offensive linemen will be able to start the last seven games together, basically the back half of your schedule. And whether or not Witt's a part of it next year moving forward, you know, how valuable could that film, that experience be as you look to your personnel this offseason and figure out what fits for what you want to do in 2020? Yeah, it's valuable because you've got game tape to evaluate these guys. And it's like anything else. You know, I think what we, what you want to continue to do is create a, a roster that's competitive where guys have to compete for spots every single day. Uh, you know, you don't ever want to let the complacency set in. I think, you know, this year, this season will definitely be a great uh, chance to reflect and see, okay, what do we want to do differently, if anything, with the offseason with the way that we set up OTAs with the way that we do training camp so um, you know everything is evaluated and and that's what I'm excited about going back you know after we finish this season off you know and really looking hard at yourself and, and figuring out a way to put this football team in a position uh, to be more consistent to be more competitive uh, week in and week out and and more consistently get the the results that we want based on being process driven uh, really from the start of the offseason to the start of our first regular season game. Let's change sides a little bit. We focus primarily on offense at this point of the Coach McVay show. On defense, Taylor Rapp, happy 22nd birthday on Sunday. Saturday night, it felt like a 21-year-old mistake, didn't it, at the end of the game? Yeah, you know, and, and there's a lot of different things that go into it. Um, you know, th we have so many different coverage variations and some different calls based on uh, formations, uh, proximity that they're in, and, and that was a good play that San Fran made. It was it was unfortunate that that – you know, we didn't deliver in that last drive, but our defense as a whole played really well throughout the night. And, and unfortunately, you know, that wasn't the only play, but that was one of the big plays in the game that that changed the the outcome. But but there's so many things that took place in that game that, that we could have avoided even being in that situation. 
Eric Weddle was quoted as saying in the paper today, if you're going to put it on someone, put it on me because I didn't do a good enough job of helping him. That wasn't his side of the field, but that's the type of kind of extreme ownership it seems like your defensive captain takes. Yeah, and you want that. You know, just the the pre-snap communication, some of the things to expect, so then maybe your leverage is a little bit different where you're more contested and squeezing him, um, you know, instead of being so wide. But, uh, you know, those are things that that, that you do want. But it, it really is, it's not about any one individual. It's about our team, you know, given up that play our defense and it, it's it's the greatest team sport that there is and there's always things that you can learn from and it never boils down to one play or one player speaking of Weddle he wraps up his 13th season uh, did not miss a game at age 34 turns 35 on January the 4th whether it's Whitworth Weddle Clay Matthews some of these guys that are that are on the backside of their career I wonder what will be on their mind, I guess, stepping onto the field in Week 17 at the Coliseum. Yeah, they're great competitors. So, you know, every time that they step on the field, you know they're going to do a, a great job and give every, give everything that they do have. Uh, it's guys like that that, you know, it really you care so much about the whole team, but it's guys that, you know, came here or that are on the latter half of their career that, that you want to do, you know, you want to work so hard to try to help them achieve a certain level of success. And it's especially those guys in particular that you just mentioned that just make you sick, that we don't get a chance to compete afterwards and and see these guys get an opportunity to go compete for a championship and um you know those are those are things that'll really eat at me for a long long time because you care so much about those guys chance to complete a third consecutive winning season in the finale at the coliseum against the cardinals this sunday with sean mcveigh jb long and this is the coach mcveigh show live from thousand oaks on espn la 710 the pass rush was really I mean, ferocious at times during the loss in San Francisco. Aaron Donald and Dante Fowler in particular seemed to be at their best. And it was like you could see all their practice reps, all their hours together in synchronicity arriving at at the quarterback, whether it was Aaron or Dante getting the sack, or even Morgan Fox kind of benefiting from their games. Um, I I know you can't speak to like how much of a priority it would be to keep that together, but can you appreciate all that's gone into them arriving at this moment? No doubt. Those guys have done a great job. I think Eric Henderson, our defensive line coach, you know, coming in, he's, he's been outstanding, uh, really helping those guys continue to take their game to new levels. And Chris Shula with Dante Fowler coaching the outside backers. You've seen Clay have great production. You mentioned Morgan Fox did a great job. So uh, Aaron is special. And I mean, there's a handful of plays too, where uh, he's making a play in the backfield. They had some misdirection runs and, and things just kind of sneak out, but I mean he is a he is a special, unique player. I think Dante, uh, his Aaron raises the level of play of everyone around him, right. and I think Dante's taken his game to the next level. I think you see the value and the benefits of being able to have some familiarity with a system, and um, you know he was still such a great addition for us to be able to come in the middle of the year last year. But then you look at what his production can be when he has an ownership of what we're asking him to do: snap in and snap out, and you know those guys have been really special. Whether it's Dante or Sampson or whoever else at outside linebacker moving forward, it seems like there's a nuance to playing with Aaron Donald that will have to be established through any offseason program, right? Brockers has talked about that before. Like, he changes the game. He changes your assignment within a snap because of how dynamic he is. He does. And, you know, he dictates protections. I mean, there's there's just so many different things that, you know, if, if you're really paying close attention, you can you can take advantage of, uh, of some of the ops you get as a result of playing next to someone as unique as him. Uh, inconsistency has kind of been the buzzword throughout this season again here tonight uh, not to touch heavily on it but special teams in, in a season which has seen some difficult regression moments 
another missed field goal, some short punts on long fields, and an 81-yard kick return. Has that played into the frustration collectively as much as we like to focus on offense and defense? Yeah, you know, and I think, um, you know, John Fossil's done such a great job, and, and he's such a great football coach. But in a lot of instances, you know, when you do have some of the injuries on the offensive and defensive sides of the football, well, then what does that mean? That means that those guys that are core players for him end up stepping up right. into bigger roles, so then he's having to develop and, and work with new guys. So it's it's a trickle-down effect that these things do have. You know, we never make excuses. Uh, you know, we've got to do a great job adapting and adjusting, and it is that next-man-up mentality, and we expect guys to play at a high level. Um, you know, and, and it's it's not the special teams. It's not the defense. It's the, not the offense. It's really our football team. And, and our football team with the expectations, the standards that we do have, uh, what we expect to establish here uh, year in and year out, this was not uh, up to the standards. And nobody will deny that, and everybody will work very hard uh, as we move into the future to, to try to avoid feelings like this and seasons like this because those are things that I do believe we can control and we can all improve on and we can be better from. Set up for a big finish on this edition of the Coach McVay Show. Still to come, a rematch with Arizona after they took it to the Seahawks in Seattle. Plus, if you saw the uh, HBO documentary, The Art of Coaching, Sean McVay uh, took it in as well. Nick Saban and Bill Belichick, and we'll play a bite for him to react to after this on ESPN LA 710. All right, good Monday evening once again, everyone, with Sean McVay. I'm J.B. Long, and uh, football junkies may have seen the HBO special The Art of Coaching featuring Nick Saban and Bill Belichick going through uh, their coaching friendship that spans four decades. I imagine someone in your seat probably took close notice, right? Oh, yeah. It's like required reading or watching. absolutely. Um, You have to trust me on this one, Sean. I wanted to get your reaction to this coming bite, win or lose, no matter how this month of December went. Yeah. but given kind of where we are at this season, it seems especially poignant, and that is both Saban and Belichick talking about um, losses that fall on the coaching staff. So let's take a listen. Good players can't overcome bad coaching. And with bad coaching like we had last year in the Miami game where we couldn't play defense for seven seconds, I don't care how good the players are. Bad coaching, they can't overcome it. But that's a bad feeling. You never want to let your team down by after the game feeling like I didn't I didn't do a good enough job as a coach. That's always been one of the things that motivates me as a coach and also makes me feel really, really bad because sometimes you feel like you did a bad job as a coach. No question. That you didn't put your players in the best position or you got fooled on something or you weren't prepared for something. All right, welcome back to the Coach McVay Show. Nick Saban and Bill Belichick there. I know you watched that special. Did yep. that kind of uh, you know strike a chord with you as well? Oh, yeah. You know, I, I think, uh, I mean, you're talking about two of the best of all time. Sure. And, and anything, you know, anytime that anybody's great at what they do, I think there's a accountability, there's an extreme ownership that's demonstrated. And I think that epitomizes what they're talking about right there. You know, are you doing everything within the framework of your role and your control to help these players succeed and in a lot of instances you know that's what the great ones have and I think both those guys especially um, you know when they do have the amount of success that they have to still be motivated to still be driven the way that they are where everybody says oh yeah you're working hard but when you do reach the pinnacle um, the natural you know human inclination is to think well we'll do the same things we've done mm-hmm. and get the same results and these are guys that uh, continually push uh, the envelope never let complacency set in and I continue to come away incredibly impressed with both of those guys especially when you look at the consistency at which they've operated over the course of their careers you know you're just getting into you know finishing up your third season doing this but what an amazing job those guys have done and and guys that I look up to 
they've won championships. They've been to the pinnacle, but it doesn't seem like they're striving for the next one at all times. It seems like they often need a little bit more fuel to the fire by a moment like a Hail Mary loss in Miami or something like that. And I wonder if someone like you who has never seemed to lack for passion or energy will draw from the disappointing moments that were 2019 in the offseason. Yes, you certainly will. But I think what is so different about what what Coach Saban, Coach Belichick do that you, you hope to be able to create is that, you know, you don't need those motivations to work as hard as right. you possibly can because they're so intrinsically motivated, whether they win a championship, whether they lose uh, in the wild card, whatever it might be, or whether they lose in the divisional round or they come short in the playoffs. You know, those are the things that they just consistently are pushing the standards for themselves. Nobody sets it. And, and to be so consistent, uh, to never let the complacency set in when you're at the top mm-hmm. of the mountain is, is is incredible and it's something that you strive to hopefully em, emulate uh, but certainly we haven't gotten there yeah yeah there's that analogy about the uh, the salesman meeting his quota and how human nature is to kind of coast for the rest of the month and that formulating a football team whether it be college or pro is about finding the type of men who are not subject to those those human natures absolutely and and I think the great leaders find a way of of pushing the envelope never letting uh, guys get comfortable never letting the complacency set in and it's how do you keep that edge and how do you create it in an authentic and genuine way week in and week out uh, in, a, in such a challenging game. The Coach McFace Show presented by in and out That's what a hamburger is all about. On to the Arizona Cardinals and the Coliseum finale week 17. The Rams are the first team in NFL history to win five consecutive games against a single opponent, in this case Arizona, by scoring at least 30 and holding their opponents to fewer than 17 in each of those games. But my goodness, Arizona just punched Seattle in the mouth uh, up there facing the Seahawks, and that was a team that had the one seed in the NFC until yep. last night. Yeah, I mean, if, if this season has shown our team anything, it's each week is a, is a new week. Uh, we have a lot of respect for the Cardinals. You know, those previous games have nothing to do with what's going to occur on Sunday. Uh, we've got to be at our best. Um, you know, they're, they're coming off a, a big win. They've played really well, really mm-hmm. two big wins, uh, when you look at what they've done as of late, and, and it's going to be a great challenge for us. With Kyler Murray uh, dinged up, another hamstring. Brett Hundley came on and uh, took that one to the finish line in the second half. How do you manage that in terms of your game plan on defense this week? You know, I think you, you go about it the same way. Um, both of those guys have a very similar skill set. Uh, they did a great job running the football last week against Seattle, and their defense played really well. I thought it was a great reflection of, you know, Cliff and his staff doing an excellent job of, of going and winning a football mm-hmm. game and being able to operate with a lead, controlling the clock, doing those things that were necessary to, to, to get a win. And um, they did that. I think, um, you know, our, our approach will be the same, uh, whether we see Kyler or, or Hunley. Both of those guys we have a lot of respect for, and, and uh, you know, we got to be ready either way. Kenyon Drake has been a revelation. Over 300 yards and six touchdowns the last two weeks taking over in that backfield. He's been impressive. I mean, I I can remember the first game that he played on a short week when they played Thursday against the 49ers earlier this season. He's making big plays. He's he's breaking off runs. He's catching screens. Uh, You know, I remember studying him coming out of Alabama. Dynamic player, big play threat. Um, You know, uh, Coach Belichick in the soundbite that you were referring to, you know, he was the one that ended up finishing that play in Mm -hmm. Miami. Got past Gronk. Yeah, that's exactly right. So he... um, 
um, he's he's a unique talent. You know, he he goes he goes eighty on their first touchdown. You know, to be able to get it tied at seven seven against uh, Seattle last week. So he's somebody that we better be ready to account for. And they've changed a little bit on defense since you saw them at the start of the month, releasing a couple of starters, uh, Terrell Suggs and Tremaine Brock. So mm-hmm. a little bit different personnel wise, even within the month. Yeah, a little bit different. Um, you know, but but still, uh, they've done a great job. You know, Vance Joseph's a guy that's always had a, had a tough scheme to be able to go against. They've got great players, Chandler Jones leading the league in sacks. Uh, Buda Baker's as active a safety as you'll see when you flip the tape on, and uh, Patrick Peterson's playing at a really high level. You know, you can see he's uh, he's still the uh, big time guy. So when you've got a couple players like that, you know, you got to be ready to go. And my goodness, Chandler Jones coming off a four sack performance against Russell Wilson to take his season total to nineteen. Unbelievable. You know, I mean, he's. Um, you know he's a big time player. Uh, he's got the ability to rush on both sides. His length, his, his repertoire of moves, and and the ability to to play snap in and snap out. Uh, you know, seeing him over the last couple of years, we uh, we certainly know what he's capable of, and uh, got to be aware of where he's at at all times. All right, Sean. First of all, Merry Christmas. Enjoy your holiday. You, your staff, your team midweek, and then uh, we'll let you get back to business with the Cardinals. Uh, like you said, you started your tenure with a, a home win at that historic house. Let's uh, let's close the doors, at least the Rams doors on the Coliseum with the win before we turn our attention to 2020. That sounds good. I appreciate it, JB. Merry Christmas to you as well. All right. For Sean McVay, I'm JB Long. This has been the Coach McVay Show. And coming up next, Lakers Talk with Alan Sliwa on ESPN LA 710.